السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد <coughs> Welcome to another lesson of Quranic Progression inshallah ta'ala Today we'll continue with our tafsir of Surah Al-Inshiqaq but before we begin uh, just a quick announcement for next week's class inshallah ta'ala uh, as I'm going to be abroad uh, there's a likelihood and a strong likelihood that the timing of the class will change so inshallah We'll do our utmost to keep it to the Tuesday. So it'll be Tuesday, inshallah ta'ala, but the timing may change to um, by like an hour or two maximum, like earlier. Uh, so it may be instead of like 8 p.m. UK time, maybe 7 p.m. UK time, or maybe even 6 p.m. UK time. But it'll be around around that, inshallah ta'ala. So inshallah, it won't be a major change, uh, but it will be, uh, inshallah, a slight change. But either way, uh, that will be confirmed, inshallah ta'ala. We'll confirm that on the, uh, on the on the groups that we have, the Telegram groups. So inshallah, please keep an eye out for that, for next week's class only. Um, so I just wanted to give everyone a heads up so that no one's taken by surprise because sometimes uh, getting out the uh, the final announcement and details sometimes takes a bit of time logistically. Uh, and so just so that everyone's aware, so that next week's class, most likely, uh, there's still a chance that it may stay at 8 p.m., but there's a good likelihood that it's going to change. So it may well be uh, 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. UK time. Uh, so I just wanted to make that, that announcement for everyone. So last week, <coughs> last week we we covered two verses from Surah Al-Inshiqaq, verses 16 and 17. And we come now, as we said, to the latter part of this surah, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after having taken the initial uh, were taken or mentioned at the beginning of the surah rather some of the things that will take place on Yawm Al-Qiyamah uh, and we said that the majority of the scholars were of the position I think I may have misspoken last week that they're not oaths that are taken at the beginning of the surah but rather akhbar Allah Azza wa Jal informing us of certain changes that will take place on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and as we said at the very beginning of Surah Al-Shiqaq some of the scholars of tafsir were of the position that those initial verses, those beginning verses of this surah are, are actual oaths, even though the wording of them is not in the conventional oath form. Uh, however, we said that the position of the majority is that they are not oaths, but rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about the changes that will take place, describing to us the changes that will take place on Yawm Al-Qiyamah when the hour is established. But in these latter verses now, from verses 16, 17 that we took last week, and verse 18 that inshallah ta'ala we will take this week Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does take a number of oaths, three oaths and the first of those oaths Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by the shafaq فَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِالشَّفَق and we mentioned last week the lam or the la that is mentioned here in this oath as is mentioned elsewhere in the Quran it's mentioned for example in Surah Al-Balad that we've covered previously لَا أُقْسِمُ بِهَذَا الْبَلَد it will be mentioned in Surah Al-Qiyamah لَا أُقْسِمُ بِيَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ Mentioned elsewhere in the Quran, فَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِمَا تُبْصِرُونَ وَمَا لَا تُبْصِرُونَ It is a common convention within the Arabic language. And what the position of the la is, the lam alif, what is that position? What is its position in terms of i'rab, in terms of Arabic grammar? What's its position in terms of meaning and therefore in terms of tafsir? That's something which we have discussed previously in more detail and we touched upon it briefly in last week's lesson as well. And so that's something which inshallah ta'ala if you want to go and refer back to you may do so. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by the shafaq. And we mentioned that the scholars of tafsir, they had two main positions regarding what the shafaq was. The first position being that the shafaq is the redness in the sky that's found after the sun sets. So when the sun sets, there is a redness in the sky. And it is once that redness, <clears throat> once that redness disappears, the time of Isha comes in, meaning that the night proper, the darkness of the sky, sets in. And the other position amongst some of the scholars of tafsir is that it's referring to the twilight, the, the, the light or the, the whiteness in the sky 
that takes place after that redness disappears. So after that redness, for a few minutes, there's a, a white light or a whiteness in the sky that you see. And after that finishes, you are you find darkness. And so some of the scholars said that's what the shafaq is. And as we mentioned last week, and it is based upon those two different tafsirs, those two different understandings of what the word shafaq refers to, that we have a difference of opinion amongst the scholars of fiqh and the madhahib in terms of when does the Salatul Isha begin, when does this time enter, the position of the majority, which are the Malikis, the Shafi'is and the Hanbalis, Rahimahumullah Ta'ala Ajma'een, they took the position that the Shafaq refers to the redness in the sky. So according to those Madahib, Maghrib begins when sun sets, and it ends when the Shafaq disappears, and that is when Isha begins. And the other position is the position of the Hanafi Madhahib, they say that it's the whiteness in the sky. That is when the time of Salat al-Isha begins. <clears throat> and we discussed that in some detail in last week's lesson. So that's the first oath that Allah Azzawajal takes. The oath not only to do with the day or the night, but a very, uh, a very specific time as the night sets in and a specific phenomenon that takes place in terms of the way that the sky appears, the horizon appears as the sun has now set and night is about to settle in. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that the night settles in and the night and what it gathers, what it gathers and what it covers. And we said that the word wasaq in the Arabic language uh, refers to that which is gathered and that which is accumulated and therefore that which is covered. Uh, but the original Arabic language is normally something which is which is referring to al-jam'ah, something which is brought together, uh, even if it is a great quantity, like in the measurement of al-wasq, as we mentioned last week, that the wasq is 60 sa'ah. So we have the mud, which is a handful, four of those make a sa'ah, 60 of those sa'ah make a wasq. And we mentioned that you'll find this measurement in some of the hadith in the sunnah, in which the Prophet ﷺ, for example, in the hadith of the people of Khaybar, and how the Prophet ﷺ, used to half, half the portions uh, between himself and the Muslims and between the people of Khaybar, that the agreement that he made with them after the Muslims conquered the city of Khaybar. And you will find this in other narrations as well. Uh, however, that meaning of wasq is something which comes together. And so that's why the, uh, the, the verse speaks about that which it covers, meaning that when the night comes, it gathers everything within it, covers everything within it, doesn't leave anything out. It encompasses everything that the night settles upon. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about these signs. And as you can see from those two verses, both of them are referring to the ending of the day, the beginning of the night. Ending of the day and the beginning of the night. <clears throat> in the verse that we will uh, continue with today, in today's lesson, verse number 18, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم in the translation of Professor Abdul Halim, and by the full moon, and Muhsin Khan, and by the moon when it is at the full, and Mufti Taqi, and by the moon when it develops at the full, and Sahih International, and by the moon when it becomes full. The third oath that Allah then takes in this surah. So the first one is the shafaq, that redness in the sky. The second is the is is the layl the night and everything that it encompasses and covers. And the third thing that Allah Azza takes an oath by is the qamar, is by the moon. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to it either tasaq. And the word ittasaq, the word ittasaq means when it is full, when its light is at its brightest, when it is full. And that's why Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah and all of the tafsir that you will find amongst the early scholars of tafsir revolves around that meaning, revolves around that meaning. And that's why Imam Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, as we will see shortly, when he came to his tafsir of this verse, <coughs> when he came to his tafsir of this verse, he simply mentioned that one position, because all of the scholars of tafsir, all of the early scholars of tafsir, this is what their statements revolved around, and that is the brightness of the full moon. As Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhumah, said, وَالْقَمَرِ إِذَا تَسَقْ يَقُولُ إِذَا اسْتَوَى The moon, التسق, meaning 
when it is full, when it is complete. And Ikrimah, rahimahullah ta'ala, the student of Ibn Abbas, said something similar, it is tawa, when it is complete. And Qatada, rahimahullah ta'ala, said something similar, it is tadar, when it becomes round, meaning when it is full. And Sa'id ibn Musayyib said something similar, or Sa'id ibn Jubayr said something similar, he said, di thalatha ashara, he said on the 13th night, and we know that the the the, uh, the full moon, or in, in the lunar calendar, the moon becomes full in those nights that we call the Ayyamul Bid, the white nights. And that's because that is when the, the moon is coming to its uh, to its fullness. And so the 13th, the 14th, the 15th, those are known as the Ayyamul Bid in the Arabic language. Ayyamul Bid. Uh, literally means the days of whiteness or brightness and that's because the moon is at its full during those three nights and then after the 15th it starts to slowly but surely get smaller and smaller again until the uh, the moon uh, goes back to or, or ends or the moon uh, you know goes back to the stage where the next crescent will then be will then be seen so uh, and that's why we have the sunnah of fasting those three middle days the 13th the 14th and the 15th uh, to fast those three middle days each one of those days is equal to a, a, a 10 days and therefore to fast all three as is mentioned in the hadith is like fasting the whole month uh, and that's why so the, the statement of Sa'id is, is simply to show that same meaning of Ibn Abbas and Ikrimah and Qatada and others and but he's also doing it just doing it in his own way as we mentioned before the scholars of Tafsir each one of them normally has their own way of expressing the same meaning. And Al-Hassan al-Basri, rahimahullah ta'ala, also said something similar. He said, He said, when the moon is gathered, when it is full. So all of them are essentially saying one and the same thing. And that's why Imam al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, as we mentioned when he came to this issue, he simply went with that tafsir. He said that when Allah Azza wa Jal says, tasaq and by the moon when it is full, he says, وَاسْتَوَى He says it means the, the, the moon when it is complete and when it is full. And that's what the teacher of our teacher, Sheikh Muhammad Al-Amin, Al-Shanqiti, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said the same thing. <coughs> he said the meaning of He said it is when its light is complete, meaning that it is full. And he said that the word, ittasaq, is similar to the word wasaq, meaning that they have a very similar root. And some of them said actually the root of both is one and the same, that the root word is wasaq, and this is ifta'ala. Ifta'ala, it is on the verb ifta'ala, or the uh, the verb um, scale of ifta'ala from wasaq. And that is because, as we said, the word wasaq means to gather uh, together. And so, likewise, the moon, when it is full, it has, as if it has gathered all of its light and it has come together. And so that's why he said that the, uh, the, the root word is one and the same for both of these verses. So, وَاللَّيْلِ وَمَا وَسَقْ وَالْقَمَرِ إِذَا تَسَقْ And you can clearly see the seen and the qaf, uh, the seen and the qaf uh, in it. And he goes into like the whole sarf, uh, the whole morphology, the whole morphology of the word. Which I don't really know if it's something which uh, which anyone will appreciate here, of how the 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 fa of the kalima, which is the wow, in this particular instance of wasaq, um, that changes because of the ifta'al, and then there is an idgham that takes place because of the ida, and so it becomes ita tasaq instead of because it's meant to be ifta'al. Uh, he goes into this whole thing, and so he and he gives other examples of it as well, <clears throat> because he says that what it should be is e. Uh, and then it changes anyway but the point is that he goes anyone that wants to uh, is interested in the morphology of the word and how that works I don't know if it's like too complicated for me to explain here uh, if, if you don't like um, it's not even Arabic grammar it's like more to do with the morphology of words and how they change uh, but Sheikh Muhammad Al-Amin mentions it so you can go back to his tafsir uh, and you can go into the details of how that works but either way um, the, the root meaning or the root word or verb for both of those words is one and the same and so the meaning is similar so these are the three oaths that Allah Azza wa Jal takes 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes three oaths, all of them referring to the night and different parts of the night that he takes an oath by. Number one is the shafaq, the redness in the sky after the sun sets. Number two is the night that then comes. Number three is the moon that will be full uh, during some of those nights. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as you can see in this uh, surah, much of it is regarding Yawm al-Qiyamah and the resurrection. And much of it is regarding people's accounting on that day and the judgment that will come on Yawm al-Qiyamah. <coughs> and so it seems, uh, as Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala says, that Allah azza wa jal, by mentioning in these verses, taking these three oaths, it's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us to concentrate on that part of the day when the daylight or the daytime ends and the nighttime begins. So you have the shafaq, which is pretty much straight after the sun sets, the uh, layl, which is then when the night sets, and the qamar, the full moon, as it comes and rises over some of those nights. So the daytime has ended, the nighttime has set in. And just as every single day the night follows the day, then likewise, and, and that is a, a, something which we witness each and every single day, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also mentions to us here, or also uh, indicates by this, that there will also come, there will also come a time when the dunya will end, and the akhirah will replace it. Yawm al-Qiyamah will signify the ending of the dunya, and the beginning of the akhirah. And he says, Rahimullah Ta'ala, that the signaling of the daytime, so in the morning when you wake up, that is usually the time that people disperse. So people wake up after Salatul Fajr, the sun rises, or they wake up for Salatul Fajr, the sun rises, and then they disperse. Right? And they go out and they seek their rizq, they seek their, they seek their provision from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala and their sustenance. And we know that there are hadith that speak about the blessed nature of the early time of the morning, as the Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the hadith Burika li ummati fi bukuriha My ummah has been blessed in the early morning And the word bukur or bukra Comes from or has a very similar root to the word baraka And so Allah azza wa jal is has, has given or, or rather the Arabic language gives them a similar root And that similar root to show that there is blessed A blessed nature in the early part of the morning and Allah Azza wa Jalla often tells us in the Quran that the people that Allah Azza wa Jalla loves are those who praise in Bukratan wa Ashiya early in the morning and late in the evening. Those are the people that Allah Azza wa Jalla loves and praises Subhanahu wa Taala. And so uh, there is barakah in the early part of the morning. So that's normally the time when people go out and they seek their sustenance from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And then at the night time, at Maghrib time, as the night sets in. We know from a number of hadith that that is the time when the shayateen disperse. That's the time when the devils disperse. As is mentioned in a number of hadith where the Prophet ﷺ used to say that if you have very young children, that's the time that you bring them indoors. Um, <clears throat> and he means just for that portion of that time when the sun is setting. It doesn't mean that you're not allowed to go out. And it also doesn't mean that you can't even leave them out. It means just don't leave them out unsupervised in the sense that they may go and touch something or do something or step on something because they, they're just playing. It doesn't mean, for example, that the young children shouldn't accompany their fathers to the masjid because people go to the masjid at the time of Maghrib. People are still out and about at the time of Maghrib. So it doesn't mean that no one's allowed to go out. But what it means is that is a time when the jinn disperse, so people should be careful, especially with young children, because young children are less likely to make dhikr. Less likely to remember Allah, to say Bismillah. Less likely to say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem. Seek refuge and protection in Shaitan from in, in Allah Azza wa Jal from Shaitan, and also that's where you have those hadith that during the night you should uh, close your windows and cover your utensils, your food, and so on and so forth. That's where you get a number of these hadith from. So, this is the time of the jinn and they're dispersing throughout the earth, and that is why Ibn Qayyim said that Allah Azza wa Jal to show the importance of these two times of the day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala established for us two salahs Salatul Fajr. And Salat al-Maghrib. Salat al-Fajr and Salat al-Maghrib. And he made this a time when people should remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because according to a number of the scholars of Islam, the timing of the daily adhkar, the morning adhkar, and the evening adhkar, that the morning adhkar is done after, <coughs> after Fajr, before sunrise. <coughs> after Fajr, before sunrise. 
because that is before the day actually sets in. And the evening of Kar are done before Maghrib, after Asr, before Maghrib, because by Maghrib the night has set in. That is the position of a number of the scholars of Islam anyway. And so Allah Azza gave to us these two salahs, gave to us connected to those two salahs, either before or after, each one depending on which salah it is, after Fajr, before Maghrib. Allah Azza gave to us the adhkar of the morning and the evening. And that is for us to understand that this is the time that Allah Azza wants us to notice, to pay attention to. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala wants us to contemplate and reflect over this time. Because just as the time changes, and the situation of people changes. So as we know, as soon as the night comes in, things change. The whole city, your surroundings change. The fact that there is darkness now. Even today when we have artificial lighting, we have all of these street lamps and house lighting and everything else, it's still not the same as the daylight in terms of what it does for you psychologically, emotionally, in terms of what it does for people, in terms of them wanting to get back home and just to relax, in terms of generally the night being a time when those people who go out, especially late at night, are usually people who don't want to do any good because the people who want to do good during the night are the people who stay at home. Even if they're awake, they stay at home and they wake up and they pray to Allah Azza wa Jal. They pray the Hajjud and they read Quran and they make Dua. As for the people who go out during those times, other than obviously the few exceptions, people who have jobs at that time, they have night shifts, those are an exception to the rule. But otherwise, people that are, don't have necessarily any business to be doing during that time of night, if they go out, it's normally to engage in some form of haram, whether it be legalized haram or illegalized haram. But it is a form of haram nevertheless. And that's why you see that things change. As Ibn Qayyim says that you see between the difference, the differences, you see the opposite states between these two different times, the timing of the day and the timing of the night, how things change between people being energetic and wanting to go out and being people and between people now wanting to go back home and to settle down. And that's just not humans. It's even in the animal world and the birds. <coughs> the birds and the animals that are active during the day, by nighttime they want to go back and they want to settle. And most animals, by sunset, those animals that are active during the day, they, their timing is, is, is regulated, not by our clocks, but by the rising and the setting of the sun, as we know. So the... The roosters, uh, the, 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 the cockerels, the, the, the sheep, the donkeys, the cows, all of these animals, they're regulated by the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun. And so Allah Azza wa mentions or, uh, this difference that takes place. Ibn Qayyim Ta'ala says, And you can see even the animals changing from one state to another. And from one... <coughs> from one particular ruling to another ruling and you see the differences between them so likewise likewise he says that this reminds us of the mabda and the ma'ad the day and the night reminds us that the dunya will come to an end that yawmul qiyamah will follow it and everything has an ending everything has a beginning the beginning of the dunya already began and the ending of it will be when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declares as Allah Azza wa Jal says أَوَلَمْ يَرَوْ كَيْفَ يُبْدِئُ اللَّهُ الْخَلْقَ ثُمَّ يُعِيدُهُ Do you not see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins creation and then he repeats it إِنَّ ذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ يَسِيرُ That is something which is easy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah Azza wa Jal in these three verses 16, 17, 18 he takes an oath by the three things that show to us how the sun was set upon the dunya metaphorically speaking meaning that the dunya will end, its time will come. And then after it, there will be another another existence, and that will be the existence of the akhirah. And it may well be, and Allah knows best, and I didn't find this in any tafsir, but just as a, a personal reflection, that the qamar that Allah mentions, the light, which is the full moon, which is not just any moon, but it is the moon when it is at, at its brightest with the most light, may be an indication regarding the uh, the reward of those people and the honor of those people on Yawm Al-Qiyamah who on the Day of Judgment will come and Allah Azza wa Jal will honor them. That on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, even though the night has set upon the dunya, it doesn't mean that one follows the dunya is all going to be difficult or hardship or all going to be darkness like the night. No, there will be actually a great deal of good and benefit just as the night brings benefit for the people of Tawheed and the people of worship and the people of Salah and Quran and Dua. Then likewise, Yawm Al-Qiyamah will bring 
<clears throat> will bring a great deal of benefit to the believers. Because as is mentioned in a number of hadith, not only that the people of, of, of uh, uh, that the Prophet ﷺ described, for example, that the people of Jannah, he described their faces like the Qamar Laylatul Badr, the full moon on a cloudless night. And the Prophet ﷺ described seeing the believers seeing their Lord on Yom Al-Qiyamah like the people witnessing the full moon on a cloudless night. And so Allah mentions here, وَالْقَمَرِ إِذَا تَسَقْ There will be, and by the full moon. And so it may be, Wallahu alam, that that is also an indication to some of that which will take place in terms of honor and reward for the people of, of Iman on Yom Al-Qiyamah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then in the next verse, verse number 19, he says, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, لَتَرْكَبُنَّ طَبَقًا عَن طَبَقًا In the translation of Professor Abdul Halim, you will progress from stage to stage. And Sahih International, that you will surely embark upon state after state. Mufti Taqi, you shall certainly ascend from stage to stage. And Muhsin Khan, you shall certainly travel from stage to stage and then in brackets in this life and in the hereafter. <coughs> In this verse, verse number 19, we have two qira'at, two different ways of reciting this verse. The first way is the reading of the majority. So as we know, there are 10 qurra, six of the 10 qurra read in the way that we read. So the way that we read an Asim, Asim being our Imam, our Qari, this is how the majority read. And the change obviously is going to take place in the first word in this verse. So the majority read it with a dhamma on the ba. Latarka bunna. A dhamma on the ba. Latarka bunna tabaqan an tabaq. That is the reading of the majority, six out of the ten. The other four, and I'll mention who those four are, so therefore by a process of elimination you can understand who the six are. The four who differ in their reading of this is number one, Ibn Kathir. Ibn Kathir, who was the Qari of Mecca of his time. And then the three Kufi Imams, other than Asim, because Asim is also from Kufa. He's an exception to this. So the other three Kufi Imams were Hamza, Al-Kisai, and Khalaf Al-Ashir. Hamza, Al-Kisai, and Khalaf Al-Ashir. So altogether we have four. Ibn Kathir from Mecca, Hamza, Al-Kisai, and Khalaf al-Ashir, all from Kufa, the last three from Kufa. They read the first word with a fatha on the ba instead of a dhamma. So they say, لَتَرْكَ بَنَّ طَبَقًا عَن طَبَقًا لَتَرْكَ بَنَّ We say, لَتَرْكَ بُنَّ They say, لَتَرْكَ بَنَّ طَبَقًا عَن طَبَقًا And we'll speak in, in a short while as to what is the difference there. <coughs> the... Some of the statements I wanted to mention, and there's many of these statements, by the way, which I'll, I'll, I'll speak about. Um, some of the statements of the scholars of tafsir regarding what this refers to, tabaqan an tabaq. What does the word tabaq an tabaq mean? So, Ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu an. <coughs> He said, Tabaqan an Tabaq means hal and ba'da hal, state after state. Meaning one day it is difficult, one day it is easy. And he also has another statement, radiallahu an, that he says that it's referring to the heavens. Tabaqan an Tabaq, stage after stage, meaning upon the heavens, meaning you will ascend from one stage to another stage. And that's similar to the, <coughs> to the translation that you have, I think, of Mufti Taqi. Mufti Taqi says, you shall certainly ascend from stage to stage. I don't know if, if he refers by ascension there, if he's speaking about the heavens or something else, uh, but possibly anyway. But this is another statement of Ibn Mas'ud that is referring to the ascension of the Prophet ﷺ that he went from one heaven to the next heaven to the next heaven. And Murrah ibn Sharahil, he said similar to, and, and there's a number of scholars who said, hal that it is referring to state after state or stage after stage which is the translation that you have of Professor Abdul Halim, you will progress from stage to stage. So Murrah ibn Sharahil, Mujahid, Qatada, Rahimahumullah Ta'ala, all of them said something very similar. 
the difference um, <clears throat> between the fatha and the dhamma on the back. Uh, the fatha being banna, the dhamma being bunna. It seems to be, and Allah knows best, but it seems to be that the tarqa banna with the fatha is according to those scholars or, or is in the tafsir or the meaning that the verse is referring to the Prophet that the verse is referring to the Prophet so if you just take the you know just to make it easy just take the translation of Professor Abdul Harim as you progress in this verse you will progress from stage to stage who's the you referring to these scholars say that it's referring to the Prophet and the latarqa bunna with the dhamma you meaning all of mankind you as in the general you meaning everyone that is being addressed by Allah in the Quran all humans you will progress from stage to stage so Imam Al-Tabari he said what does it mean uh, with the fatha what's that referring to he says that they differed concerning this and some of them said <coughs> that it refers to hal and ba'da hal meaning you O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam your life will progress stage after stage meaning that you will go through a number of of difficulties a number of hardships that you will go through and he ascribed this position or this particular meaning to a number of scholars such as Ibn Abbas and Mujahid and Ikrima and Al-Hassan Al-Basri and he said others who also read in this tabaq. he said what they said it refers to is the ascension of the heavens that you will ascend from stage to stage and that's why I was saying, I was saying that the translation of Mufti Taqi may be based upon this particular tafsir and Allah knows best but this was the tafsir that was chosen also by a number of the scholars of tafsir such as Al-Hassan Al-Basri and Abu Al-Aliyah and Masruq and Al-Shaabi they said that it's referring to the ascension of the heavens stage after stage meaning uh, one heaven after the other as we know when the Prophet went on his night journey he began with the first heaven and he met Adam and then the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh so he went from stage to stage meaning from one level to the next level and that's why Qatada in one of his statements he said level after level and all of these words hal and manzila and all of these like they're very similar in terms of the way that they can meet uh, that the, in, in terms of their meaning because often the context will determine whether we would in english translate it as being state or stage or level or whatever it may be in english we would base that upon the context of what's being discussed and so it's possible that they are that they are uh, they are, they are mentioning this and others said that no, what it refers to is the that you will progress to the akhirah, to the next life, after the life of the dunya. And this was the statement of, or the position of Abdurrahman ibn Zayd ibn Aslam ibn Zayd said this. And maybe uh, that's the one that Muhsin Khan went to in. Because his translation is, you shall certainly travel from stage to stage, and then in brackets in this life and the hereafter. So it may refer to the different stages of the dunya, and in the different stages of the Akhirah, but Ibn Zaid speaks about the general, the generality of this and, and the general concept of moving from the dunya phase to the Akhirah phase. And others said that actually what this refers to is the different changes that a person goes through, the different stages that a person, sorry, the different stages that will, that will take place as the Akhirah comes in. And this is attributed by Ibn, to Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. And so it's as if Ibn Mas'ud is connecting these, this verse, the tarkabunna or the tarkabanna, tabaqan an tabaq, to the very beginning of the surah. Ida sama'un shakat wa adinat li rabbiha wa hukat wa ida al-ardu muddat wa alqat ma fiha wa taqallat wa adinat li rabbiha wa hukat. Those five opening verses of Surah Al-Inshiqaq. Because he says what it refers to is anna tatagayyar duruba min al-tagayyar, that it will change in stages. So it's firstly going to be rent asunder, as we said. In shiqaq, it means that it's going to be ripped open, rent asunder, bil ghamami marra, and that those clouds that will come, they will make it rent asunder, wa tahmaru ukhra, and then there will be a redness, 
as we said that Allah mentions elsewhere in the Quran, He describes it as wardatan kaddihan, like a redness that will take place, a smoky redness that will take place. And He also describes it as being al-muhl. And so you have these different stages as to how the heavens will change as Yom al-Qiyamah is established. And so He said this is what it's referring to. This was the position of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu <coughs> And uh, others, uh, others who, and then he says, Rahimullah Ta'ala, this is an Imam Tabari, as for those who read it with a Dhamma, Latarkabunna, which is the reading, as we said, of the majority, <coughs> the, the majority, which is Asim, and then the likes of Nafi' and Ibn Amir, and Abu Amr, and Abu Ja'far, and Yaqub. Uh, all of these, they read, read it with a dhamma on the back. لَتَرْكَ بُنَّ طَبَقًا عَنْ طَبَقًا And he said, عَلَى وَجْهِ الْخِطَابِ لِلنَّاسِ كَافَةً And based upon this particular reading, the verse is referring to people in general, not specifically to the Prophet wasallam, but rather referring to all of mankind, all of the people. So you will progress, the you not being here to the Prophet wasallam specifically, but to all of them. And as we've said before, just so that we don't get confused, the difference in Qira'ah is essentially like two verses, right? So the easiest way to understand the different Qira'at in terms of Tafsir is to deal with them as if there are two verses, meaning both of them are correct. Both of them are correct. So if we had two verses, one after the other, if one said, Oh Muhammad وسلم, you will progress from stage to stage, and then the following verse was, and you as well, meaning all oh people, all oh mankind, you will also progress from stage to stage, we would say, yeah, okay, alhamdulillah, we understand that the Prophet ﷺ, his life is from changing, going from stage to stage, whether that be in the dunya, or whether that be when he ascended to the heavens, and the mi'raj, and the isra, or whether that be in the akhirah, as, as, as everyone progress, and whether that's the people, in terms of their own lives, and their own progression, in terms of the stages of the dunya, and then as they go into the akhirah as well, and the stages that will take place in the akhirah, we would have no problem with that. And so that's how you should understand, therefore, the difference in Qira'at, as we mentioned before. Almost as if there are two verses. So both of those meanings are correct, meaning that it is not only addressing the Muslims or the people in general, this verse, but it is also addressing the Prophet as well. Because there are great benefits and lessons for the Prophet to draw from this. Because his ummah, he himself during his his, his, his 23 odd years of prophethood would go through many different stages the stage of being oppressed and, and transgressed to the stage of migration to the stage of, of, of being powerful to the stage of conquering to the stage of, of overtaking all of Arabia to the stage of seeing his ummah flourish and what we would inshallah ta'ala do after his death all of these are different stages that he went through himself sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so <clears throat> The position of those scholars who said Latarkabunna or took that, that particular reading, they say therefore it's based upon the people in general. That they will also go through many challenges, stage after stage. Um, so for example, as Suddi he says, You will go through stages just as those who came before you went through stages. Uh, one level after another level, one level after another level. And Makhul, he said, uh, this is his particular tafsir, Every 20 years, there will be something new that the people before you didn't know. And perhaps he's referring to how things will then change. Things will then change after time. And different things start to happen within the ummah. And Hassan al-Basri has another statement in which he says, حَالًا بَعْدَ حَالِ The stage or state after state, رَخَاءً بَعْدَ شِدَّةً That you have ease after difficulty, وَشِدَّةً بَعْدَ رَخَاءً And then you have difficulty after that ease, وَغِينًا بَعْدَ فَقَرْ You have wealth after poverty, وَفَقْرًا بَعْدَ غِنَى And then poverty after wealth, وَصِحَّةً بَعْدَ سَقْم And health after sickness, وَسَقْمًا بَعْدَ صِحَّةً And then sickness after health. And that is the general uh, state of humans, the general state of people is this that they go through from one stage to another and it doesn't matter 
who you are or what you're going through, some of those stages, they cannot pass you by. So some people may be poor their whole life. Maybe they don't see any great deal of wealth. And some people are rich their whole life. Maybe they never see any poverty. But everyone experiences health and sickness. And everyone experiences death and life. And everyone will see those different stages that everyone has to pass through. And Sa'id ibn Jubayr, <coughs> rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that these are people, qawmun kanu fi dunya khasisun amruhum fartafa'u fil akhira, wa akharuna kanu ashrafun fi dunya fatada'u fil akhira. He said that the, this what it refers to is people who in this dunya, they were considered to be lowly. They were insignificant. No one paid them any attention or any mind. But in the Akhirah, their level will be will be uh, exalted. Their level, they will be in ascension. And as for others who in the dunya were people of nobility, people of, uh, of, of, of power, people of fame and so on, in the Akhirah, they will be insignificant. And so that is also a change that will take place from one group to another. Al-Imam Al-Tabari, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he said after mentioning a number of these, and not all of these, by the way, are found in Tafsir Al-Tabari, I've added from other places that I found some of the statements of the Salaf, but Imam Al-Tabari does a good job of generally summarizing, as he usually does, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, of summarizing the main positions of the Salaf uh, as to what it's referring to, whether it's the Qira'ah of the Fatha, or whether it's the Qira'ah of the Dhamma, and he says after mentioning all of this, um, he says that the stronger position is that it's referring to the Prophet ﷺ first and foremost. He says, because وَإِن كَانَ الْخِطَابُ إِلَىٰ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ مُوَجَّهَةً جَمِيعُ النَّاسِ أَنَّهُمْ يَلْقَوْنَ مِنْ شَدَائِدِ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ وَهْوَالِي أَحْوَالًا he said, even though the Prophet ﷺ is being addressed first and foremost, it is being addressed to all of the people that will follow him and all of the difficulties that they will also face, all the different things that they will also experience and see on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, on the Day of Judgment. And so as we said, right, this was the position of the scholars of Tafsir, that if the if the if both Qira'at are correct, both Qira'at are accepted by the Ummah, then both of them are correct and both of them are like two verses. So Ibn, Ibn Imam al-Tabari doesn't dismiss each or either one, even though, as he says, he prefers the Qira'ah, or he would choose for himself the Qira'ah with the Fatha, as Imam al-Tabari was, as we said before, one of the Imams of the Qira'at. And so the Imams of the Qira'at, they have their, what we call, uh, ikhtiyarat. They have their choices, because that's what a Qira'ah is. Each Qira'ah is their particular choice. And that's why it's named after them. So Imam al-Tabari was an Imam of the Qira'at, of his own of his own standing rahimahullah ta'ala even though his qira'a his particular qira'a as we mentioned when we went through his biography and it's something which i would recommend you listen to that special that we did about imam al-tabari and his tafsir because imam al-tabari was a was a giant in many different disciplines and sciences of islam he was a great imam of this religion and one of the things that he was known for was quran but not only in tafsir which is what he's famous for but even in its reading, in its qira'at, and this is something which you find in its tafsir that he always focuses upon. And sometimes even the qira'at that today we would call shad, they're not from the ten that we recite with. But in that time, uh, this is before that, 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 uh, that codification of that science came into place. And so he has a different way of dealing with this particular science and issue as was befitting of his time before it was codified later on. And so he accepts both. He says, yes, I think that the Prophet ﷺ is being addressed first and foremost, but obviously this is to address his ummah by and large as well, meaning jami'un nas, all of the people. And Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, concerning the, um, the statement of a Suddi, a Suddi said, it's like the people who came before you. Remember, we mentioned his statement that he said, it's like the people who came before you, that you will follow them stage after stage. You will do as they did. He said this, Ibn Kathir ta'ala said, he said, it's as if he's referring to the hadith that we know that the Prophet said, You will follow the footsteps of those who came before you. Footstep by footstep to the extent that if one of them was to enter into the hole of a lizard, you would follow them into it as well. 
And in some narrations, they said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, do you mean the people of the scriptures before us? He said, who else? So Ibn Kathir said it's as if he's mentioning the same thing. Because in some of those wordings, you have that word of Latarka Bunna or Latarka Banna also mentioned within that. Uh, Ibn Al Qayyim he said that Allah here is referring to Hal and Ba'da Hal. He's referring to one stage after another stage. And that is because the human starts off, as we know, as Allah mentions in the Quran, from a sperm drop. And then he becomes a clot. And then he becomes a morsel. And then he becomes a uh, becomes a fetus in the womb. And then he is born. And then he requires uh, breastfeeding. And then he learns to eat for himself. to He's weaned off that milk. And then he becomes either healthy or he becomes sick, poor or rich. Someone who lives a life of good health or someone who lives uh, someone who lives a life of ease or someone who lives a life of difficulty. And all of these different stages go upon different people in different ways until he dies. And then he will be in his grave and then he will be resurrected. And then he will be made to stand before his Lord Allah and then he will be made to go to his final abode and destination either of paradise or of the fire. And so look at how all of these stages as Ibn Qayyim taking the position that Allah is referring to mankind in general. And that's why you said both of those tafsirs, whether it's specifically to the Prophet or specifically to the Ummah, both of them, or, or generally for the Ummah, both of them are correct. And no doubt the Prophet وسلم, as we said, went through stages in his own life and prophethood. He went through stages in the Isra and Mi'raj. The Ummah goes through stages as well, not only in terms of the dunya, but in terms of the Akhirah as an Ummah, that is, as the whole arc of the nation, like the, the journey of the Ummah of the Prophet And then each and every single individual goes through their own uh, stages of development and stages and states that they go through in the dunya before they stand before their Lord on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And last but not least, we have the statement of the teacher of our teacher, Sheikh Muhammad Al-Amin Al-Shanqiti, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he said, that what seems more apparent to me and Allah Azza wa knows best is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to the people in general in this verse as opposed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that what Allah Azza wa is referring to primarily is Yawmul Qiyamah so the states that Allah is referring to the stage after stage and this is similar to as we said the statement of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu who referred to it as being the Qiyamah and what will happen in terms of the heavens and the earth and so on he says that seems more apparent as well because that is the context of this surah. Because the context of this surah is to speak about the foundations of resurrection. And the surah begins with how the earth, the heavens will change. How the earth will change. How the people will be presented with their accounts on that day. Or And so Allah mentions the counting on that day. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is as if he's preparing people for this. And he says, لَتَرْكَبُنَّ So just as, you, as, uh, just as you see the changes that will take place in the heavens and the earth on that day, then likewise you will see the changes that will take place on, uh, to you on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And that is because the Yawm Al-Qiyamah requires people to go through the resurrection and the Hashr, which is the gathering, and the Ard, which is the presentation before Allah, and the Mizan, which is the scales, and the sirat, which is the bridge, and the, and, the, and the measuring of their records of deeds, and the different situations that the people will be, up, will be in, depending on their different situations of resurrection on that day of Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Because there are people who will be honored on that day and blessed, and there were people who will be downtrodden and made or, or humiliated on that day. <coughs> And so he's, he says that if, if we were to look at all of this, and then even what Allah Azza mentions just before this verse, verse number 19, which is the three oaths that he took of the shafaq, the redness of the sky, the layl, which is the, the night, and the qamar, the full moon. He said all of this shows that Allah Azza is referring to the akhirah. And just as Allah Azza has the ability to change things during people's uh, during the dunya, meaning that he brings the night after the day and, and, and changes, uh, changes things during the day in terms of the sun setting and the moon rising and then the moon 
also in terms of its phases of being full and then being new and, and so on and so forth. The one that has the ability and the power to do all of this has the ability to do that and much more in the Akhirah and Yawm Al-Qiyamah as well. And so that is what the position of Sheikh Muhammad Al-Amin was. And as we said, there is no contradiction between the two. Both are correct. Uh, however, it's just a matter of some of the scholars choosing what they consider to be the foremost of the two meanings or which one is intended first and foremost. And the other one is mentioned additionally as well. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. But I think that is a good place for us to end today, bi'idhnillah ta'ala. Uh, and inshallah ta'ala next week inshallah we'll continue from verse number 20 if there's any questions inshallah we'll take them otherwise we'll conclude for today <coughs> is the first ayah if the first ayah of the surah is khabar where is the mubtada is it mahdhuf we went through all of this so if you go back to the first uh, lesson when we went through this inshallah ta'ala uh, we, we went through all of this and in terms of uh, whereas Khabar is <coughs> when we came to verse number 5 or 6 I think we went through this in detail does having a Fatha or make it second person singular and having Dhamma makes it second person plural that seems to be the case and Allah knows best I didn't really go into the morphology of the word uh, but it seems to be uh, that they, they went through Rakibu and Rakiba and so the one is a singular and one is a plural and so the noon at the end is for Ta'keed as is the Lam at the beginning and the Ta as Shaykh Muhammad Al-Amin mentions is to signify something that will take place in the future the Ta is for Istiqbal so just like in the Arabic language we have Sofa and the scene for things in the future likewise the letter Ta is used sometimes for also signifying things that will take place in the future and then it seems that they just based that upon that the asal of that word would have been obviously if it's wow you can't have it with a noon with the shadda at the end doesn't work and so you have that seems to be where they got it from and Allah knows best but that is the position that was chosen as we said by Imam Tabari and others okay inshallah we'll conclude uh, here today and inshallah ta'ala we'll see you all next week barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabina muhammadu ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa sallamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh